Hello, welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus is joined with us at Appleton and Stevens Point, as well as people who watch us all over northern Wisconsin and uh, those who watch us all over the world on the internet. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. You ever try and tie one of these things? I was going nuts this morning. Ah, I finally got it. Anyway, uh, this is our uh, Memorial Day week, or Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we're glad that you're here with us. Many have <laughs> snuck off because <laughs> the weather's so great. This is an amazing weekend, right? The weather has been amazing. And, you know, we get these every, you know, two, 250 years. <laughs> so, uh, so I certainly understand people want to take advantage of this incredible weather. And uh, remember, tomorrow is Memorial Day. Stop, reflect, remember. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Those who have sacrificed so much so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we have in this country. If you are, are a vet or a present server in the military, we would love for you to stand so that we could honor you. Anybody here? I'm sure we have some. There they are. Yes, 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 yes. God bless you guys. Thank you for your service. I'm sure there are people at the other campuses as well standing up. And uh, God bless all of you. And thank you for your service. We certainly appreciate uh, all the blessings that we have. They don't happen by accident. They happen on purpose, right? Speaking of on purpose, uh, we had our uh, T1 graduation service yesterday. I was late for the service. There was a little hole in my boat. I had, to, I had to deal with the hole. If you've ever seen Titanic, you know boats and holes do not go well together. <clears throat> so, but, but I eventually got there. We'll have all our T1 students come on up here. Um, <clears throat> uh, this is our Transition One. We call it T1 for short. Transition One is a gap year program. A lot of these programs have popped up all over the country, and not even all just from a faith perspective. Uh, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that just have a gap year. It just does that slow down a little bit, particularly from a faith perspective, slow down and put God first in your life. Jesus, you know, the Bible warns us about things. So interesting and discouraging to me that so many parents are obsessed by making sure their, things get, their kids get things they're in a hurry to make sure they get as much things and successful as they can. The very thing the Bible warns us about, we Christians today seem to be obsessed about making sure our kids get it at all costs and as quickly as possible. Don't do that. It's a mistake. Slow down. Take a year off. Put God first in your life. When you graduate from high school, plan a year off. It's a great program here. Again, they're all over the country. 
but ours is a great program here. And what we do is we work with the kids, teach them about leadership, responsibility, how to do life, how to do relationships, uh, all kinds of things uh, for the first six months or so. And then we send them for the next, uh, final three months overseas. They were in uh, South Africa this year working with uh, Pastor Bishop Gary Rivas. Uh, we all know Gary. And uh, they had a fabulous time. It was a life-changing experience for these guys. And they are different today than they were when they showed up here uh, at the beginning. It is really a life-changing experience. Let me encourage you. Put God first. Plan for this for your young people. You young people, plan for this. Don't be such a hurry to go out there and grab the golden ring. You know, it's, you're not going to die slowing down. In fact, Jesus said, warned us about all these things the pagans chase after. He says, your heavenly father knows that you need it. He says, but if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, all those things will be added in your life. God will make sure you will succeed. No one has ever suffered irreparable harm by putting God first. All right? So uh, anyway, let me encourage that more and more and the people all over the world that watch us on the internet. Uh, we've gotten several requests all over the world world, haven't we, this year from, uh, for, coming, for the upcoming season? So uh, we want you to uh, consider that. Anyway, we want to just pray with these guys really quick. You guys can remain seated, but we just want to pray together for these young people as they branch out and, and their new life. Hello, let's pray. Father, we thank you for these young men and women who have taken the time to honor you in their lives. God, I pray great blessings over them that you will protect and guide them, guide and lead them, we pray, by your Holy Spirit. Help them to succeed greatly, O oh Lord. Thank you for what we've been able to put into their hearts and lives this year. Thank you for their service over these last few months over in Africa and the blessing they've been to so many. We just pray all your kindness on them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Give me a hand. And I always like to say this uh, every year about this time to graduating seniors uh, and, and that is this. Uh, we've spent a lot of years putting into you uh, our values, and, and we hope that as you go out into the world, you will make the right choices and the right decisions. Uh, but the reality is oftentimes people don't. And I just want you to know, as your pastor and having been part of your life for all these years as you get ready to launch out onto your own, uh, no matter what you do, even if you wind up making some really big mistakes or going down a wrong path, never feel you cannot come home, okay? You're always, this is always a safe place for you, no matter how battered up that you get. You know, a lot of times people, I'll, I'll meet people in the community and I'll invite them to church and they say, oh, I can't come in there, this lightning will strike me. You know, uh, they're kidding around, but they're serious at one level, which is they know they're so messed up, they feel if they get in church, God's gonna kill them. Well, first of all, God isn't in a hurry to kill anybody. All right, so... Um, don't ever feel like you can't come home. Uh, and if you fall and you crack into lots of pieces, we will be like all the king's horses and all the king's men and help put Humpty Dumpty back together again. You might look a little cracked, but you'll be okay. All right, hopefully you don't make the bad choices and the wrong steps and wind up all cracked. But no matter what, always know, no matter what you've done, where you go, there's always a safe place here. And everybody said, amen. Same with our campuses over there. All righty then. We are talking about the significant events of the Old Testament. We left off in, in uh, Numbers chapter 12. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife 
for he had married a Cushite. Now, Cushite tribes are uh, African tribes. They're black people. People often think that the problem here was that because Mary, uh, Moses had married a black woman, they didn't like the fact it was a kind of a racial thing. I highly doubt that, to be honest with you. I don't think it was about race or color. And it wasn't like these people were lily white. You know, they're not, they're not from Norway, okay? <laughs> they're, uh, they're Jews from the Middle East. So their whole life, 430 years in Egypt, and uh, you talk about getting a tan. They had to work outside every day of their lives. I'm pretty sure they were a little dark themselves. I highly doubt it had anything to do with color, despite some of the ridiculous arguments people get over this. I think it was just about, it was culture. It was culture. They were taught stay and marry within the culture. And in fact, Moses even teaches them that you need to stay and marry within the culture. Uh, because this, they were supposed to be separate away from everyone else. This is where the Messiah was going to come through. Um, and ironically, even though Moses taught them that, Moses had done exactly the opposite. Uh, why? Well, he, a little bit of a checkered past. Okay. Uh, how many of you know God can still use you if you have a checkered past? And all you sinners, raise your hands. Okay. So um, it's just the reality of it. It's uh, Moses, you think, well, I did bad things. Moses was a murderer. <laughs> he killed a guy, buried him in the sand, and apparently did a lousy job because they found him right away. And, uh, and they were coming after him to have him killed. He goes running for his life out into the desert. He lives out on the backside of the desert. He was 40 years old when this happened. 40 more years he lives out in the desert. He marries into a family of Cushites. And these are, they were pagan people, certainly outside the culture. And uh, not only were they pagan, uh, his father-in-law was a priest of this uh, religious culture, pagan culture. And who knows how much he got influenced by all of that. Uh, and then I don't think Moses really knew anything about God. He'd been raised in Pharaoh's household. He knew he was Jewish. These movies had to say that he didn't know who he was. is ridiculous. But he knew exactly who he was, uh, but not raised in the culture. And I, I don't think he really knew much about anything about God until God revealed himself in the burning bush. He said, who are you? He says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He knew he was of that line, uh, Jewish people, and he starts to reveal himself to him. So uh, it's easy for them to criticize Moses because of his past. And it wasn't the perfect past. And, you know, Christians can be brutal sometimes towards people, which we should not be. You know, always be quick to forgive people because we also need to be forgiven as we just prayed, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So they didn't like the fact that Moses, they didn't like this lady that he picked. And we talked, uh, I took the opportunity to talk about my own life uh, in reference of uh, after Deb and moving on and stuff like that. And I had lots of positive responses from people at all our campuses and all around the world, quite frankly, and certainly from here all kinds of comments online, emails and stuff, and I want to thank you for that. There were a considerable amount of comments that basically said, why are you bothering with this? It's your own business. Tell people to kiss off. Which, uh, don't clap. Uh, so, uh, just to explain why I'm taking the time, it's a little bit different. I am a public figure. I am your pastor. I, uh, you uh, listen to me, and there's a certain amount of respect and stuff that you give towards me. 
and because of who I am, there's a lot of benefits from it, but there's also responsibilities. And to whom much is given, much is required. I ask you to follow me as I follow Christ and live out my life and that hopefully I'm living the kind of example that you will live out as well. So that at times takes, means taking time to explain my life and what I've been going through and what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. Again, I'm not looking for permission for him. I'm just trying to you know, explain because people have questions. I know for some women it's uncomfortable because they, they, they think you know, oftentimes when widowers, and widowers tend to remarry rather quickly, uh, some extremely fast, um, usually within the first year. Uh, women tend to stay widows for years before they move on. And some of them decide not to sign up again <laughs> for this journey of dealing with a man. And all the ladies said, amen. Yeah, so. Uh, but some of the ladies said, but yeah, I hope my husband doesn't forget about me that quick. Uh, and, and I just want to say, nobody's forgetting anybody. This isn't about forgetting anybody. You can't forget someone you spent 45 years of your life with. Okay? This, and... and uh, I said, well, are you done mourning? No, I'm not done mourning. Then why are you moving on? Well, it might take me 15, 20 years. I may never get over it, you know? Uh, it's like if you have a friend, your best friend, your best, your BFF, and they die tragically. You will mourn, and you will struggle. But you don't say, I'm not going to have any more friends until I'm done mourning this friend. In fact, the best thing for you is to get some new friend who can help you through your journey, even as you mourn the old friend. All right, so no one's forgotten anyone. I certainly have not forgotten, forgotten my Debbie, and uh, I continue to go visit her, and I talk to her. I don't know that they can hear us. People wonder about that. If they can, I don't think they're paying attention. <laughs> I mean, if your choice is to listen to the angels sing or to your husband whining about stuff, I think you kind of move on and kind of tune it out. White noise, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, but it feels good to me to do it, and I'm going to go visit her after the service today. So no one's forgetting about it. Now, a couple in the, in the church, a family in the church, donated $10,000 to do something in Debbie's memory. Very nice people to do something like that. And for $10,000, well, what can you do in America with $10,000? You can get a nice plaque and some carpeting, and that's about it, because it's extraordinarily expensive to do anything. But overseas, you can do a lot. And we looked into, uh, uh, over in Myanmar, at the children's home that we were talking about earlier, uh, the, the orphanage that we support. And they, uh, we can build a whole building for $10,000. So uh, that's what we're going to do. Now, those of you who knew Deb knew she had a passion for children, and she loved to do music with children, and she was always involved in doing musicals and getting them singing and dancing, and she was into it. She was nuts, all right? She was really, really into it. I remember 25 years ago, uh, I was uh, out of ministry at that time, and we had uh, our own business. I was doing some videography and photography and stuff, and uh, a, a client had asked if I would go with him to uh, uh, Auckland, New Zealand and do some photography for this project. He says, and I'll pay both you and your wife full trip, all the expenses, everything covered. Now, today, that wouldn't be a big deal to me because I travel nonstop. But to back then, that was quite the deal. And I went to the redhead and said, hey, we got a free trip to New Zealand. Woo-hoo! She said, I'm not going. Why not? I'll miss a rehearsal. Come on, woman. And I tried to reason with the woman, and if you've ever 
married a redhead, you know, you, you can't reason with a redhead. So uh, she stayed. She, would, she didn't do the trip just so she could. She didn't want to miss one rehearsal. She's crazy. Anyway, so, but that was her passion, and she loved it, and she was into it big time. So we are putting up uh, a building in her honor. I'm asking Bob to come and explain it. Uh, as Pastor Mark was sharing, we're building this incredible Deborah Ann Gunger Music Hall in Myanmar. Uh, Myanmar, if you're not aware, we support an orphanage there. It is home to about 200 orphans. Uh, these are some of the most at-risk kids in all of the world. They come from one of the poorest nations, and they are some of the poorest kids in that nation. And they come there, and uh, the mission statement of this orphanage is that the kids would have life and they would have it abundantly, if you're familiar with that verse out of the Gospel of John, that they would have abundant life. And these kids, they love worship, they love music, they love the arts, they love performing it. They've got these Christmas productions uh, that they do where th more than 3,500 people will show up and they will do outreaches and they'll put on the Christmas production with the kids and people will give their lives to Jesus on that day. It's a phenomenal thing to be a part of. Uh, and these Christmas productions, as Pastor Mark was sharing, uh, I'm one of those reasons why Debbie didn't go to New Zealand. I was this tall and she was doing those Christmas productions when I was there. And uh, I grew up with uh, Mark's son, Phil, and uh, her whole life, she loved giving towards kids and their passion for learning music, for performing music, uh, and doing these productions. And uh, this orphanage is really all about that. So it's phenomenal what's taking place. You know, I think of this verse out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 9, it says this. It says, for we, this is us here at Celebration Church, all of our campuses, for we are God's co-workers in his service. You're the, you are God's field. God is building. It says, for the grace given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. We're continuing to build on this foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ laid a foundation and it goes on to say in that verse that we're building with all kinds of different things. We're building with stone, we're building with wood, we're building with precious metal, we're building with hay, and we're building with straw. And it says, on that day, the capital D day, that there's a second judgment coming, not the one where you get into heaven, not salvation, but there's a second judgment coming where there's going to be treasures in heaven. God wants to reward you for what you did with what he gave you on this earth. There's another day coming, and it's going to be revealed by fire, and if it what is burned up last, there's going to be a reward for you in heaven someday. And these things that we're doing, uh, it's really amazing because there's going to be treasures in heaven. People, heaven's being populated because of these types of things. So thank you for your generosity, the legacy that you're leaving, and uh, this will really honor uh, Debbie Gunger in a great way. So let's all give God some praise here this morning as Pastor Mark joins us. Amen. Thank you, Bob. All right, so continuing in our story. Now, Miriam and Aaron are whining because they don't like Moses' choice of a wife. And it's really mostly Miriam, which we'll find out in a second here. Uh, and they said this, well, has the Lord only spoken through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? There's one thing about <clears throat> people who love to whine. And, and what I'm about to say, I, I don't mean to be a snollygoster. Know what a snollygoster is? It's a politician 
who does and says things for his own advancement. We have new words we call them, but I can't repeat those in church. But uh, I'm not trying to say this for my own personal benefit at all, but you know, there needs to be a certain degree of respect towards authority in the church. This has always been taught throughout the entire Bible. You wanted to really tick God off, start whining about the people who are in charge. And usually, if one of the things they'll say is, well, I'm a spiritual. He is, he, he, so my, he's not the only guy who knows the Bible. I know the Bible, too, and God can speak to me, too, and I don't need a pastor. And just, man, you're in a bad place when you start acting like that. So well, what if I disagree with something? Well, there's nice ways of disagreeing, and you can walk through those paths. Sadly, most evangelical churches are a disaster. They're congregationally run nuthouses where they vote on everything and churches get mad over the carpeting and vote out the pastor over this or that and they got all these political things. We don't have all that nonsense in our church and most very successful churches do not have that nonsense. There are some that are successful that do have the nonsense but they've figured out a way to tap it down uh, to some degree. But this is just ridiculous. And people squabbling and fighting. Oh, I'm, he thinks I'm so, you're, he's so spiritual. I'm a spiritual too. And just, as soon as you do that, you're not spiritual at all. Okay? Uh, it's a bad place to be. Now, the good news is that virtually is non-existent in our church. Thank God. We don't have that kind of nonsense. But there's a lot of it out there. It's why 80%, there's 400,000 churches in America. 80% of them, think of this number, 400,000, 80% of them have 100 people in them or less. We are considered very much the exception because of the size of our congregations. Even our campuses are bigger than most churches in America. Why? Why do most of them only have about 100 people in them? That's about as many people as you can get in a room to agree on everything. Or if somebody starts going after each other's throats and fighting and splitting the church and arguing. It's just pathetic and sad. And uh, people ought not to be doing it. And if you have uh, disagreements, do it respectfully. And these two were not doing it respectfully. And they're basically saying, well, who, what, who Moses think he is? We're, we're spiritual too. <clears throat> well, the Lord hears it, it says. And at once the Lord said to Moses, Mary and Aram, Miriam, come out of the tent of meeting, all three of you. <laughs> Talk about being called out to the principal's office. So the three of them went out and the anger of the Lord burned against them. So uh, it doesn't really explain. It just, he's just like, Ugh! and then he leaves. And the cloud lifted from the tent. God was so mad at these little snots. <clears throat> and the one who was really egging it on is Miriam. How do we know this? Because Miriam's the one who gets hammered. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became white as snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. He freaks out, as you can well imagine. And he quick turns to Moses, please, my Lord, I ask you, hold not against us this sin we have so foolishly committed. They knew right away it was. Remember, God hasn't said anything. He didn't say anything. He just came in. And you could tell he's ticked off and he takes off. And all of a sudden, Miriam's got this. They knew. Little snots. They knew what they were doing. Criticizing and getting on. Well, I don't like his choice of wife. I don't like this. Just finding nasty things to say. Finding reasons to say nasty things. And boom, she gets hammered with this leprous condition. And uh, so he, he says, you know, please, please help us, Moses. And so in verse 13, Moses cried out to the Lord, please, God, heal her. And God goes, okay, <clears throat> which is amazing. It's, it's amazing how quickly God forgives. We'll read this through the uh, uh, entire Bible. 
especially in the Old Testament where things were really intense. Why, why would God bring judgment to somebody? You have to remember, this is different. These aren't like the experience we have. We, we live by faith. Most of us have never seen an angel. We haven't, most of us haven't, well, anyway. But you, you don't have those kind of experiences. These people would literally talk to you. If God himself shows up and sits down and has a face-to-face conversation with you tonight and tells you to do something and tomorrow you don't do it, I don't want to stand next to you, all right? All right, that's why it was so intense. Okay, so well, is that going to happen to me? No, it's not going to happen to you because we don't have that kind of experience. But if you do, best to heed, all right? So that's why the hammer would come down on them. But it's just amazing. Remember last time we read when they were making the golden calf and God got so mad and told Moses, let me just kill them all. Let me kill. Why would he think that? He, they, again, we're not talking the same religious experience here. These guys are seeing miracles like no one has ever seen. Every day they don't even have to go get food because it's just right there for them. They don't have to do jack. The whole time they're out in the desert, their shoes don't wear out, their clothes don't wear out. I mean, it's an absolutely supernatural experience. They got it made. And they whined and belly ached. And all of a sudden, make a cow and worship the cow. Oh, this is the God that's been saving us and helping us. Yeah, I'd get a little hork too. God said, let me just wipe them all out. And Moses said, please forgive them. And God goes, okay. And there's something about God. He is quick to forgive. And here's something about it. It's amazing how many people in the Bible get mad at how quick God forgives. They get mad. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? The young son goes out and he wastes all his money and becomes a complete wreck and he finally comes home and daddy goes running out to him, shows the compassion of God to us no matter how bad we might mess up. And the older brother gets mad. Why did he get mad? You're letting him off. Look what he did. You shouldn't do that. Remember the story of Jonah. God tells Jonah to go preach to the Ninevites. Well, uh, he doesn't go do it. And we're often taught Told that story, tell that story in the context of, you know, he was running from doing what God wanted. God called him to preach and he didn't want to preach. No, that wasn't it at all. He didn't want to go talk to the Ninevites because he knew if he went to the Ninevites, God, if they asked God to forgive him, he'd forgive them. And he didn't want them to be forgiven because it had been prophesied that Nineveh was going to come and destroy uh, the Jews and bring judgment on them. It would be like if we knew God said, you know, one of these years, uh, the UP is going to come down and destroy all the Wisconsinites, all right? Because they're intense up in the UP, you know what I'm talking about. So anyway, <clears throat> you're almost a Uper. You people over here, you guys, you lived up there. Where is it? Where do you guys live? Crivets. Crivets? That's almost, that's almost a Uper. <laughs> they're all giving me the evil eye here. You snolly gosser, that's what they're thinking. So anyway, uh, so what was I talking about? <laughs> oh, the UP attacking. So, so the UP is going to attack and they're going to kill us all. And, and then God comes and say, listen, the UP has been really bad and, and they've been cheering for the, you know, uh, the wrong football team up there. So we're going to bring judgment on them. So go up there and tell them to repent. And you're like, I ain't going to tell them to repent. Because if they repent, you'll forgive them and then they're going to come down and kill us all, right? I mean, that's really the context of that story of Jonah. We'll talk about it when we get to that. Uh, so I'm cheating a little bit, giving you a heads up on it. But uh, so anyway, he doesn't want to go. So he gets on this boat. They throw him off the boat. He, th- he just wants to die. He says, throw me over. So they throw him over. And then a big fish comes, swallows undoubtedly a whale or something like that, comes and then belches him up on the, on the shore. Guess where he lands? Nineveh. 
Ugh. So he gets up there and he preaches to them, and I'm sure he wasn't exactly excited about it. All right, all you people, you're disgusting. You need to repent. And they all went, okay. And they all cried out to God for God to forgive them. And then afterward, we'll read it. He is mad as a hornet. And God says, what's your problem? I knew you'd forgive him. See, that's why he didn't want to go. God's so quick to let people off the hook. Again, as I was saying to the seniors, if you mess up later in life or anybody messes up at any time, you might come to church for 10 years and then you mess up. Don't run and hide. Don't think you can't come back. You need to run towards God, not away from him. He's quick to forgive. He is, stunningly. May I just read the Old Testament Especially the book of Kings. If you ever read Kings, first and second Kings, all these nasty kings, and these guys are acting so bad, God kept warning them. If you don't stop it, I'm gonna bring judgment on you and kill you guys. And the next time, if you don't stop it, and it goes on and on and on, halfway through the book, you're like, just kill them already. It takes so long. That's how patient God is. You think you're, God's freaking out because you're a jerk today? I don't think so. Now, you need to make things right, but he can handle a lot, and he's very quick to forgive. So, uh, uh, anyway. So that's what he does. Boom. Right away, he forgives her. But even then, uh, the Lord replies to Moses, okay, I forgive her, but if her father had spit, if, uh, if her father had spit in her face, that's kind of gross, would she not have been d- disgraced for seven days? I read it the other way, the earlier service. I thought she spit in his face. But anyway, if you get spit in the face, then you've got to be disgraced for seven days. So confine her outside the camp for seven days, and after that, she can be brought back. So that's what has, happens to Miriam. And then the event ends. Uh, this whole big deal of them whining against Moses. Um, now, next Sunday, we're going to pick it up. Uh, and we're going to find out what happens next as these guys go into, they're supposed to be going to the promised land, okay? This is the big event. This is the main event. And what happens next, God finally has it up to here with them. And he just doesn't tolerate it anymore. And that's why they can't go into the promised land for 40 years. They're stuck out. You wonder, why did it take them 40 years? Why did they want it for 40 years? Because of what happens next. And there's a lot of powerful uh, analogies for us as we get into the story next Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your kindness. Lord, we thank you, God, that you are quick to forgive. You're very kind to us. Lord, I pray uh, your blessing on all who are listening or anybody maybe who's fighting you and running from God and, or made lots of mistakes, feel like they can't come back, always let them know that you're very quick to forgive and you're, looking, you're anxiously looking towards them. If they'll just start coming to you, you'll start running towards them. And Lord, I thank you for this great weather we're having here in Wisconsin. Praise the Lord. And I pray for all our church family as they are taking time off over this next day and a half that you will keep everybody safe and protect everyone, that no harm would come to them, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. See you next Sunday.